Amen. You may be seated. Man, it is good to be in the house of God. It is a pleasure to be here at Redemption Church. There's no place I'd rather be this morning. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is, is Dallas Wilson. I am on the lead team over at Grace Church in Houston. And uh, let me go ahead and tell you, you may not know about me, but I know about you. <laughs> Two years ago, I was at a pastor's event. And that's when I met Pastor Byron. And it was like from, from like that moment. Like, here, there's your pastor right now. He's walking right up. Can you all give it up for your pastor? Can, can I just push pause on everything real fast and just say, sometimes it can be commonplace that, that we just go, well, yeah, 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 that, that, that's just Byron and Ashley. You're blessed. You have awesome pastors. Okay? Sometimes it can be commonplace and we just take it for granted that, that we have pastors that puts the presence of God over the programming of a service? No, no, no. You're blessed. Sometimes it's easy just to take it as just so common, just whatever type thing, that when you show up to church, they're preaching the word of God and it's accurate and powerful and challenging and has vision attached to it. You're blessed. So one more time, can we give it up for Pastor Byron and Ashley? We met a little bit over two years ago at a pastor's event, and, and it was like from that moment, there was just like a bond. We, we were just like, okay, okay, this is good, this is good. Uh, incredibly, just, he's a great guy. You have great pastors you have an awesome team here. Your church is blessed. It is such an honor to be here. So even though this is my first time in the house, this is my first time to preach here in Redemption, I have now been aware and a part of your story for a little bit over two years. And it is so cool to see what God is doing in your lives and what God is doing in this house. How many of you know it's a good problem to have to move around to make room for people? Okay? It is a good problem to be going into a building program because we recognize that there's a whole lot of lost people and we got to make room for them. That's a great problem. God is doing some great things here and you are honored to be a part of this house and it is so cool to get a chance to be with you today. Uh, I told the sound man in the first service and he did pretty good, but I got to warn him again, I'm loud. So, you know, uh, be, be, be aware. You may have to adjust this bad boy. I don't want to scare everybody. But ultimately, I said it in the first service, and I want to say it again. I don't want to be the loudest voice in the room. I want the Holy Spirit to be the loudest voice. I want him to speak to your hearts and minds today. I, I want you to hear what God is, is challenging you and, and, and revealing to you beyond my point, beyond just the scripture. I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. So would you just pray this prayer with me if you're open to that? And if you're open to that, I, just want, I don't want you to like, you don't have to stand up and like scream real loud. I just want you to take your hands and just turn them up, up like this. And that just represents I'm open. Heavenly Father, you see every hand in this place that's turned up. There, it's just a sign of availability to all your spirit is wanting to say and do in our lives today. 
We welcome you into this place with expectation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, welcome to week three of our series, Sacrifice of Praise, where we've been talking about worship. And what is worship? Well, it's expressing love to God. As a human being, you may or may not know this, but you were designed, designed. It's not just something nice, designed to worship. And like the key scripture that we've been using throughout this series is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And I want encourage you, it, it, maybe you weren't planning on taking notes today. Again, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak, so I really want to encourage you to take notes because I think God's wanting to tell you something, okay? But let's go ahead and start off right here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus. How many of you know it needs to always be through Jesus? Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. In other words, our praise, it should cost us something. A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. We got to openly profess his name in worship. Two weeks ago when we kicked this series off, we, we talked about the basics of worship. We talked about how, how the Bible commands us to, to sing. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Clap. Raise our hands. Shout for joy. You know, we don't have to walk in shame. We know who we serve. Last week, week two, we talked about worship as warfare and that we're not wrestling, wrestling against flesh and, and blood, but, but we're coming against the enemy and the enemy is definitely coming at us. But worship prepares us for the battle by removing worry and building our courage. God fights our battles when we worship him, right church? We always have a reason to worship because we're always victorious. And I want to remind you of that this morning, because some of you, you're going, I, I still don't really know who you are. You said your name. You said what church you're from. But we're all a part of the body of Christ, okay? And, and this is what I want you to know. No matter how you may be feeling this morning, you may be feeling defeated. But the battle's not over. And with Jesus, it always ends up victorious. With Jesus... We can proclaim and we can lean into the fact we are not victims, even though life may have tried to victimize us. But through Jesus, we are victorious. Today, we're going to be stepping into week three, worship in his, oh, I love this, presence. Worship in his presence. Psalm chapter 95, verse two says this to us. Let us come into his presence with what? Does it say boredom? Does it say depression? Does it say anxiety? Does it say fear? Does it say that we should be standing there like we wish we were anywhere else but right here? No. It says to come into his presence with what? Thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise. Let's get excited to him. To him with songs of praise. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. One moment in the presence of God can change everything. It can flip the script. I remember being 17 years old and I'd grown up around church. I was really religious. In fact, I knew pretty much every Bible story. I mean, church was just something we did. And uh, I was at like a camp thing and... I had almost gotten sent home like seven times that week for doing dumb junk. I'm sure that's no one in this room has ever done that. 
And finally, the, the leader of the event just looked at me and said, Dallas, why aren't you just going to give God a chance? I go, I don't even know if God exists. And he looked at me and he said simp- simply, hey, next time we're like in a worship experience, just simply do this. God, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real, make yourself real to me. And I thought, whatever, yeah, I'll do that. Little did I know. (sighs) I prayed that prayer, not even fully understanding what I was inviting into my world. And the presence of God showed up in a transformative way. When I felt the fullness of his presence, I realized that Jesus was more than a fairy tale. He was real, relatable, and available to me. There's something about being in the presence of God. But sometimes we, we can find the presence of God a little confusing. You know, because we think about the presence of God and we're like, yes, he's all around us. Look around. God's in the tree. Look at the brook. But then also we hear about the presence of God and we go, the presence of God is also in us. And the truth is, it's all of the above. You see... The first thing you got to realize about the presence of God is that God is omnipresent. Now, sometimes, you know, you're like, why are we got to go to words like that? I don't know what that means. I'm going to break it down. Omni simply means all. And if you look at words even beyond that, they use words like omnipotent, which means all powerful. You get that omni again? Okay. Or, or, or how about this? Omniscient. Okay. That simply means God is all knowing. He's aware of everything. Past, present, future. But this one's omnipresent, which means he's all places at all times. You cannot escape the presence of God. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24 says this, and this is God talking to us. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? David says this about the presence of God and his omnipresence in Psalms 139, verse 7 and 8. I can never escape from your spirit. Which, by the way, why would we want to? David goes on to say, I can never get away from your presence if I go to heaven. In other words, everything looks fantastic in life. Guess what? You were there. If I go to the grave... In other words, I feel like everything's falling apart. I wonder how my marriage is going to make it another day. I'm concerned that in this next season, I'm going to go bankrupt. Every relationship in my life seems to be falling apart. No matter how good things look, I can't seem to overcome the spirit of anxiety and fear and depression. It rules my life. It drives me by day and it haunts me by night. It says, even in the grave, you are there. In fact, as we begin to reflect on how bad, how big and amazing God is, we think about biblical characters like Jonah. Anybody aware of like Jonah? Maybe you heard about his whale. You know, God gave a challenge to Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Tell them to repent or they're all going to die. Well, instead of running to Nineveh, he starts running out the back door and he doesn't stop. He goes the opposite direction. When he gets to the coast, he hops on a boat and he just keeps on going until he's thrown into the sea. The whale comes back. He goes to, God does this. But how many of you know, when you think about God as omnipresent, how ridiculous is it for Jonah to think he can run from God? 
It's absurd. But as we sit here, I'm positive there are people in this room. You're not thinking about Jonah. You're thinking about sometime you tried to run from God. You're reflecting on a moment where you felt like God spoke to you something or, or you were just hurting or you were struggling with addiction. And so you ran as far away from God as you thought you could go. But you can't run from God. In fact, the more you run, the more tired you got. But no matter what you tried, you never got any further away because you cannot. And this is good news, church. You cannot escape his spirit. And trust me when I say you wouldn't want to. There's only one place where you can escape God's presence completely and you don't want to go there. It's hell. Hell is a place of torment, fire, anguish. But worst of all, it's a complete absence of God's presence. We don't even realize how omnipresent, how God's omnipresence brings mercy and goodness to life all around us on the daily. I was even driving south, coming into Beaumont this morning. I'm looking at this amazing sunrise, and I'm thinking, dude, God is big. How, how does he give a rip about me? Wow, God. Or how about yesterday as I was eating a Killen's barbecue burger up in Pearland? If you haven't been there, make the drive. And as I, yeah, as soon as the fast is over, follow that leading of the spirit up to Pearland. And as I bit into that juicy burger and, and, and begins to run down into my beard and the flavor of the Lord and the goodness of God is all around me. But for real, in every aspect of our lives, whether we choose to recognize it or not, God's presence is present. And God's goodness is available to us. But when we choose not to step into alignment with God, what we're doing is we're making a decision to ultimately be separated from his presence. And I wouldn't, wish, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. For some of you that may not be a believer in the house today, you're thinking, okay, I mean, if God's presence is goodness, all that kind of stuff, and I'm not even a Christian, but yet I'm feeling that, well, then why do I need that? I mean, understand, first off, you're not experiencing the fullness of God's goodness. But second of all, just because you feel it now doesn't mean ultimately you're not cut off from it in eternity. Which it was never God's will for us to be separated from him. It says in God's word, it says that everybody sinned and the wages of that sin. In other words, the outcome of that sin is death and separation from God in hell that upset him so much. He sent Jesus down to down the cross. We're going to get into this later. And because of that, we can step into a relationship with him. So I want to encourage everybody that's up in this place today. You can do more than just be aware of God. You can know him. You can live in his presence. You can step in the fullness of that Christianity and faith I'm talking about in the house today. So as we begin to reflect on what we have, people, let me go ahead and say this. We should be getting happy. Remember the scripture I said before. We're supposed to come into his house with what? Thanksgiving. Who's thankful for God's goodness today and that you'll never be removed from it? 
Aren't you glad that we serve a big God who holds the universe in his hand? And your biggest problem, it's small in his eyes. He's here for you. God is omnipresent this morning, and I also want you to recognize beyond is omnipresent. Because of that, this is really cool. God is present in his people. God is present in his people. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Some of us need to hear that this morning. Because some of us are living according to a lie that says whatever we're struggling with has a hold of us. And it's calling the shots. But because of Christ's love and grace and mercy on you, sin does not hold control over you in Jesus' name. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So Christians up in this place this morning, I know some of you are hearing that and going, well, that's just cute. That's just nice. But I still feel really far from God. Feelings are not facts. You may feel far from God, but God is ever present with you. You may be making bad, wrong, horrible, destructive choices, but the crazy and amazing thing is you're never that far from God. And he's always within you. Now, one of the awesome opportunities, areas I get to work with at Grace Church, which is right up the road in Houston, is our marriage ministry. And one of the most common things that I deal with with couples that are struggling in their marriage is that they're living in the same house. Many of them are even living in the same room and they're sharing the same bed, but ultimately they've lost their relationship. It's like they're roommates. They're cohabitating. At some point in time, they allowed their relationship to drift apart as they developed separate goals, values, dreams. They lived different day-to-day lives. They're on a different page. He's got his thing. She's got her thing. They live close, but they are not close. For some Christians, that's the same kind of relationship we've chosen to have with the Holy Spirit. At some point in time, we went down to an altar, maybe this altar, and we dedicated our whole lives back to God saying, God, here I am, all of me. And you made your vow. You welcome the Holy Spirit in, but you merely cohabitate with him because there's not an ongoing conversation and relationship You're not choosing to allow him into your day-to-day lives so that he is able to shape your values, your goals, and plant God dreams in your heart. The Holy Spirit is available and present with you. But we get to decide what that relationship looks like and plays out like each and every day. Don't allow the relationship with the Holy Spirit to drift. Maybe it has. You can change that. Because it's not like when you go to the Holy Spirit and you're like, hey, you know, Holy Spirit, I really screwed this thing up, man. 
And at that point, he's like, well, I'm done with you. I'm out of here. No. His arms are always wide open. Come home, baby. I'm here to meet you. I'm here for you. My grace is sufficient. I got mercy galore. He's available. He's available. Now, usually when we feel far from him and he's not that far, really the truth is, like I said before, you're just out of sync. And you're not talking or hanging out, but he's with you. And it's easy to take that for granted because it's all we've ever known. But this isn't always how it's been. In fact, let's, let's get in our little biblical time machine. Let's go back, okay? Back and back. How many of you know that this week was like uh, Back to the Future, like the date January 20th, 2023 was the date that Marty went to the future? Okay. Let's jump in our biblical time machine right now. You didn't know? You didn't know? Now you know. Yesterday, what, I mean, was it yesterday or Friday? Whatever that was, it was the day, okay? And I was, I was yelling at heaven going, where's my flying car? It's not fair. But we're, 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 we're going back right now. Let's, let's look at it right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 14. Across the entrance of the most holy place. This is referencing the temple built to God where the Israelites worship. This, this is what it says. He hung a curtain of fine linen decorated with blue, purple, scarlet thread, and it was embroidered with figures of cherubims, little angels. You see, in early Jewish tradition, it stated that, that the temple veil that, that separated all the people, even all the priests except for one dude, we'll get to that in a minute, was all separated by a veil. Inside was the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe you've seen like Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? Okay, it's kind of like that. It actually describes it in the Bible. That's how they ended up building that for the movie is they read it in the Bible what the Ark looked like. But it, but it represented God's presence here on earth and that's what it was in the Holy of Holies. And there was a veil and it says that that veil was, I've got small hands, but imagine some big dude in the room. Okay, some big dude, raise your hand in the ear. There we go, big dude. Okay, there we go. It was as thick as that guy's hand. Not my little girl hands, big hands. It says that it was as thick as a man's hand. And there was only one guy, one day a year, that was able to enter in past the veil to go and stand before God. And it was the high priest. It was the, the big guy, you know, the top spiritual man in the tribe. And he would go through like weeks of purification, all these ceremonies, put on his best outfit. And, and that one day a year, he got to enter into the presence of God and, and everybody else is stepping outside and all they can do is observe. All they can do is hear about the presence of God, but they can't experience the presence of God. And the priest walks past the veil and he walks in. And here's the thing. If there's any sin in his heart at this point in time, it says that the priest would be struck dead. That's a lot of pressure. Even to the point where they learned their lesson after one of these dudes was struck dead, so they would tie a rope to the guy's leg. And so that if anybody was struck dead, they would still be able to pull them back out. And some years, the Spirit of God would speak to the high priest, and he'd walk out and say, Thus saith the presence of God. And other years, he'd walk out and go, It was really cool, but he didn't say anything this year, guys. And he would go in and he would sprinkle some blood and he would make a sacrifice of praise 
so that the nation would be forgiven and so God's blessing would be on the people. But again, the people had no opportunity to experience the presence of God themselves. It was something they heard about but did not know. We're blessed people that we don't just have to hear about the presence of God, we get to live in the presence of God. And because of Jesus, the ultimate day of atonement, that was the day that the priest got to go in. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the ultimate day of atonement. That when his blood was shed for us, that veil was ripped. Let's look at it right here in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again. I love it that Jesus didn't go quiet. Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit at that moment. Let's think about this paper as a curtain, okay? At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, not from bottom to the top, because that's the way man would have done it. It was torn from top to bottom. Illustrating that it was no longer limited to one. Man or day. But that the presence of God and the Holy of Holies was available to all of us every day. He reached down from heaven and he tore that curtain. Now the barrier to God's presence has been removed. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 tells us this. Because of Christ... And our faith in him. We can now come, what? Boldly. How many of you know that priest with a rope around his leg, after going through weeks of purification process, this is not bold. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, no, no, no. We can step boldly with a confidence that God has invited us in and he wants us there. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Everybody in this room, no matter how you came today, know this. You have been handed a Holy Spirit hall pass. Nobody has locked you down and locked you up in a class where all you can do is sit and hear and learn about the presence of God. But you can step into the fullness of it and nobody is there to stop you. But I know some of you are still sitting there and you're going, you know, Pastor, but, you know, I just have a hard time accepting the forgiveness and believing that, you know, I'm really okay and that God wants me to show up. I need to do this again. Okay. The veil. As thick as that dude's hand. That could choke us all out. The barrier is ripped. It is broken. And you are welcome. God wouldn't let people tainted by sin into his presence before. But now he's saying, come on in as you are. So rather than limit access to God's presence and keep people out that maybe don't have it all together, he's saying, come on in to the holiest place. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9 says this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the cool thing is it's moved beyond a, a room that you can go to. He's now present where you are in you, according to God's word. Because God's spirit is always with you, you're never alone. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 and 8 says this, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God who goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what happens, no matter what you face, good, bad, ugly, you don't have to be alone. You're not alone. Your loneliness is a lie. God is present. God is able. God is moving. God's love is big enough. There's a God-sized hole inside of you, but we got to let him move in. And when we try to fill it in with anything else, we are going to leave wanting. We're all going to live going, this isn't enough. Because that hole wasn't made to be filled by anybody but him. So here's the question. Why do we need to come to church then if there's like already a God-sized hole and we already invited him to come live in our hearts? So why do we need to go on a Sunday? Because I got him right here. Look at that. I expect you all to like that a little bit more. You, you didn't really like it. I'll just shut all that down, okay? Before the guy with the big hands comes up here and says, you're done, okay? But it's because God's word says, yes, there's a God-sized hole inside of you, but we weren't meant to live out this thing called faith by ourselves. We're meant to be living it out in community. You see, God shows up when we lift him up. God's presence is manifested in a special way when we worship him together. I told a story in the first service about my sweet little girls and how they manifest love for me. And what does manifest mean? It means to make evident or certain by showing or displaying. You see, they, they'll like come to me like last night, my little nine-year-old Jade comes up to me and she goes, Daddy, uh, I love you and I need a hug. My hug meter's low. And so I hugged her and she's sweet. But God's love is here to manifest for you. We're running out of time today because we're closing right now, right? At 11? What time? I got, f- what time? 11.10? 11.10. 10. Okay. I got a lot more in here, but no, 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 no. Here, here, here's the thing. I want to tell you this about God's presence. Just real fast. I don't have time to dive into it, but I want to tell you this. God's presence changes us. I want to tell you that his presence, ultimately, some of you need to hear this today. He brings peace to the chaos So many of you are trying to calm the storm of your life. You need his presence. But his presence doesn't just change us by bringing peace to the chaos. His presence also brings joy to our sadness. Counseling's good. I went to nine years of counseling. I have friends that medication helps them. But ultimately... It's the joy of the Lord that becomes your strength. You know what else about his presence? His presence does this for us. It brings power to our weakness. We're trying to carry the weight of life. We're trying to, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. 
Let his presence bring power to your weakness. You're not meant to carry it all alone. And if you're trying to do it alone, no wonder you always feel overwhelmed and defeated. You know what else his presence does? His presence softens hard hearts. Some of us are so hurt, our pain defines us. And we end up building a barrier, not only to God, but to even all the relationships in our life. Because we're never, we're never going to be hurt like that again. But when you step into God's presence, and we allow him to do a work inside of us, he can knock down those walls. You can find a depth of relationship, not only with your creator, but maybe that's a big piece of the healing and restoration he wants to bring to your marriage and the relationships you're in. Let him soften your heart today with his presence. Church, the veil has been ripped. He's welcoming you in today. And his presence ultimately changes everything. But there's one massive, massive impediment that we've got to work through. And that's the issue of sin. I mentioned it earlier when I talked about if we don't choose God, what we end up doing is we choose a separation from God, ultimately in hell. But this is what I want you to recognize about sin. Sin will either cancel or catalyze your worship. Either we allow it to become a barrier or we allow God's forgiveness to become a stepping stone, a testimony, something that can signify God did this in me and he's more than able to do it in you. Some of us, we were in that worship experience earlier as the band is coming. And your guilt held you back because of where you've been and what you've done. God's grace is sufficient. He does not condemn you. He does convict you because that conviction leads to change. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at because it's not good for you. And it's not taking you where God intended you to go. He wants to break those chains. When the spirit of God comes in, even the song... It brings revival, it brings renewal, but it breaks that bondage and that junk that seems to control us. But if we don't allow the Spirit of God to come in and do His work, what ends up happening is like the nerve endings of our spirit. It's like they're, 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 they're seared, they're messed up, and we, we, we lose our feeling and our sensitivity. Because God's not going to force His way on us. But today, let's allow God to heal our hearts. Let's not be hard towards his presence. Let's allow his spirit to change us from the inside out as we step into his grace. As we, as we say, God, here's the sin I've got, but deal with it because I want and need your presence. In the first service, there was an individual who raised their hand and they gave their lives to Christ. That's awesome. The whole place just like lit up and cheered for him. If you're in this house today, and maybe you've been around religion like for a long time like me, I grew up and I gave my life to Christ when I was like 17. 
I'd been in church like pretty much every Sunday, but yet I, I didn't know God. I had my hall pass, but I never used it. And I met Jesus at 17 and it changed everything for me. Today's your day. Today, you move beyond an awareness or general knowledge of God. You can step into a relationship with your creator. But remember, there's that one thing, it's sin. Romans 3.23 says everybody sinned. Romans 6.23 says because you've sinned, you now deserve death and to be separated from God. But John 3.16, boom. We're gonna tempt Tebow this mess, okay? God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He died for you and me. And now 1 John 1, 9 says, if we merely confess with our mouths that he is Lord, we can step into a relationship with him and be forgiven. This is your moment. This is your moment. So on the count of three, if that's you and, and, and you're saying, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus today. I don't feel like I know him the way you're talking, but I want to know Jesus. That's you on the count of three, just shift up your hand. One, two, don't let this moment pass you by. Three, if that's you. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? It's okay. It's okay. I see it right here. Okay. That's awesome. 